It's a great song. We all know it. And uh, stand up. To stand up doesn't mean to rise from a sitting position and get on your feet. It's to stand for what you believe in. Standing up for Christ. Taking a stand for him. And we're going to be looking at that type of phrase in our uh, text today, which is from uh, Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul is talking about putting on each piece of armor with prayer because we have a, a fight that's going on. This week we continue our focus on the Red Sea rules. And so far we've learned two things. First, to realize that God means for you to be where you are. And secondly, to be more concerned about God's glory than for your relief. Well, today, rule three tells us to acknowledge your enemy, but keep your eyes on the Lord. Uh, Back on August 9th, I had preached about uh, Jesus walking on the water, and Peter also walking on that water too, and him losing that focus. That was one aspect of it. Well, I'm going to focus on another aspect of that rule according to what we face against the devil and how we have God on our side. And though there are many people in the world, even some Christians, who deny that there is a personal Satan, we know that you can't deny the reality of evil in the world. The concentration camps back in Germany about 80 years ago, terrorist attacks, genocide... They really all are graphic displays of the presence of evil that is in our world. We have war, hunger, poverty, prejudice, and injustice. And they're more common examples of the results of evil in our world and sin. We see the presence of evil's power on a global level, but it's also on a personal level. Though we're called to end hunger, for example, and poverty, to be peacemakers and to fight injustice. It's on a personal level that Paul seems to be writing those words for us today. We can sense Satan's presence in our daily lives. Let me give you just four quick examples. First, when we're inspired to hate rather than to love. People do terrible things to us and to the ones we love. And our natural response is hate. And Satan plays into that response. But we know that God calls us to love. And then there's fear. Fear that stems from Satan's touch upon our lives as he tries to whisper into our ears and our hearts that God's not in control. God doesn't love you. Then there's depression. His lie that we are no good. That's Satan moving into our lives to try to get us to doubt the truth that God does love us, that we're children of God, and that he is well-pleased with us. And then hopelessness and the groundless belief that it can't be done when we know that it can be done. Rather, you know, Satan says, I'm going to be at work at you in this way. Well, when Satan attacks us personally and those around us, we're invited by Paul to put on God's armor and stand against Satan. And our initial response to Satan's attacks is either to admit defeat and run or try to, fight, try to face Satan with our own gifts and talents. 
Now we know that neither approach is a wise one, and Paul advises against them. Satan is bigger than we are. We can't face him alone. We don't have the strength to face him relying even on the combined gifts and talents of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Christ, he's the one. You know, Satan is bigger than all of us. But we know that the good news is that God is bigger and he's more powerful than Satan. Satan can't stand against God. And God will always be the victorious one. One way to keep focused on the Lord is to be equipped with what God gives to us to defend us against the devil. When we put on that full armor of God, we can stand against the enemy's strategies. Listen to these words that Paul begins with in verse 10 of Ephesians 6. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. It's only through God's power that we can expect to win those spiritual storms, those spiritual battles in our life. If you enter the battlefield alone, there's no telling what's going to happen, right? But if you enter with God's power, you're guaranteed to win. John tells us in his first letter, he says, You dear children are from God and have overcome them. And in the previous verses, he's talking about these false spirits. Because the one God who is in you is greater than the one, the devil, who's in the world. Our enemy might be strong, but our Savior is stronger. Don't get the impression that a fight between God and the devil is a close match. The devil's been defeated. He's been beaten, stomped on, and humiliated. When you're focused on Jesus, Satan has no power in your life. All you have to do is put on that full armor of God and you will win. The Apostle James tells us, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Isn't that a great idea? Wouldn't you like to see all the opposing forces in your life just pack up and run away, take off in the other direction? Wouldn't that be great? In the full armor of God, we can stand our ground against the enemy and keep standing. You resist the devil by putting on that full armor. Listen to how Paul describes that. He says, you know, when you, the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all this, take up your shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now this is an interesting metaphor. We're going to look at it more closely. Paul, of course, is describing a Roman soldier. Now at the time of his writing... Paul's in prison, and he was under the constant watch of the Praetorium Guard. It was the elite guards, and they would take turns standing watch over the prisoners. So when Paul begins to think of spiritual warfare, he's likely noticed the man there and noticed in the same way that the soldier's armor protects him for battle. Well, we know that we're protected also through God's strength. 
Each item on that list that he gives really parallels a behavior, something we are to do as we experience that fullness of God's strength. And Paul reminds us again that we need this armor because our struggle is not against the things of the world, against other people and things like that. He says it's against the authorities, the spiritual evil in the heavenly realms. So put on the full armor of God. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. That belt of truth, of course, is the truth of the gospel of God. God is truth. The belt he's talking about was a big belt. It wasn't merely something small like to keep a tunic in place or perhaps just being fashionable. This was meant to hold their weapons. Uh, Today we might call that a utility belt. God says that that belt of truth is very, very important. It's the first one that's mentioned, in fact. When a person has that belt on, he's ready for battle. He can go fighting. If we don't have God's truth around us and within us, then our fight against Satan is not going to be a good one for us. The breastplate of righteousness. You know, we picture that as the protection of our front part, right? It is sort of like a life vest, a bulletproof vest in Jesus' day. Well, as this protects our vital organs, we know that God's righteousness protects our soul. And that's the vital organ that we have, which is for eternity. Paul continues... And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, we might not think much of our feet being ready. During Jesus' day, they didn't have a closet full of shoes like we might. They maybe had one or two pairs of sandals. Well, they had to have very special footwear for fighting. Those who would fight would simply not use sandals. Instead, they strapped fighting footwear around their legs and with straps that might even go up to their knees. And they had to have that so that it wouldn't slip off and you know, they would fall in battle. Paul says that this is the gospel of peace, to be on your feet. And then he says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The original wording for this passage here, is the fiery darts. The things that Satan throws at you. Those temptations that he says, hey, come on, do this. really looks good. That goes all the way back into history, doesn't it? Think about Adam and Eve. And Eve's there, and Satan's talking to her. Look at that fruit. And it's going to taste great. It's going to be good for you, and you're going to be like God. Well, she took that temptation, and you know what happened. But with the shield of faith that we have in Christ, we can fend that off. So those darts, those flaming arrows, they can hit that shield of faith and fall harmlessly to the ground. Finally, Paul says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Put on that salvation helmet that comes to you by faith, by God's grace. Yes, our salvation is completely dependent on God's love that is in his son Jesus, who sacrificed himself for the sins of the world 
He did all that at that cross at Calvary. The full armor of God, it protects us from head down to toe. We know that a Christian is ready to fight and to defeat Satan and his evil angels. Now, the only offensive weapon that's mentioned here is that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And in Hebrews chapter 4, the writer says, The Word of God is living. It's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, and it joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. God's word clarifies for us what is good and what's evil. And it helps us to see from God's perspective, the true perspective that is helping us to understand the future that God is preparing for each one of us in heaven. That's been secured through his own son, Jesus. And then Paul ties it all together. Now, there's one more thing. He says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. And then he goes and gives some directions on how they can do that. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And then Paul specifically says, now pray for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. We know that Paul boldly preached. He did out in so many places, and I'm sure he gave witness to many guards who were there during his imprisonment and perhaps others as well. And the prayers of the believers... That's what strengthened him. One of our greatest weapons in the battle is prayer. And Paul's strategy is quite simple. Pray for everything and everyone. Can you do that? All occasions, he says. All kinds of prayers and requests. For all the saints, pray. Now, even though this is listed as the last of the things in these verses here, I challenge you this week especially, to make prayer your first resort in staying focused on the Lord. Before you do anything, pray. When you get up in the morning, before you interact with perhaps other family members, pray a quick prayer. Lord, help me to help them get this day off you know, with a great new start. Or when you walk into a workplace, pray a quick prayer God, help me to do your work. Let me do that work today for your glory. And help me to treat my co-workers with dignity and respect. And something similar can apply to students who, and teachers who go to school. Before you make a phone call, before you speak with a client or perhaps a doctor, before you go to a meeting, pray. In traffic, Pray. And like I said before, don't have your eyes closed when you're doing that, right? Stressful situations and storms in your life. In every event throughout the day, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers, pray. God has given us in all these things practical gifts in which to to face Satan, to fight him. These are gifts that we all have as Christians. They're not exotic, but they're basic gifts. And all of the armor of God that Christians are instructed to put on, 
It's based upon God's grace. We know that that helmet, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of God's word, they are all God's gifts to us. Resting in God's grace, Paul encourages us to determine to stand firm against Satan. You know, Satan, like a schoolyard bully, well, he's not used to resistance or someone standing up to him. And usually Satan quickly turns and runs when he's faced with a determined, armored Christian fighting against him. In closing, listen to this true account about a mother and her son. Monica, who is a faithful Christian, she was given through an arranged marriage to a pagan official in South Africa. And this official was much older, and he was also violent-tempered. And through her faith-filled words and example, the power of the Holy Spirit converted her husband and even her mother-in-law to Christianity. Well, she became a widow at the age of 24. And she prayed for her son, who was, they had given birth to before that time, that he would grow strong in the faith. Uh, as he got older, he became a, a brilliant scholar. But she often prayed in tears because her son chose to live a sinful life. And he had refused the church's teachings. But still she continued to pray for her son, never giving up hope. And when he got an appointment to teach over in Italy, she followed him praying as she went. And she begged a, a priest to help too. But he reminded her that only God could bring her son to faith. He comforted her, saying, It's not possible that the, your son of so many tears should perish. Well, after many years, Monica finally saw God bring her son to faith. He was baptized in the year 387 A.D. Monica died the year later. Monica's son was Augustine. And he became one of the great fathers of the early Christian church. You know him as St. Augustine. In a writing called Confessions, he wrote of his own grief and weeping for his mother, who he says is now gone from my sight, who for years had wept over me that I might live in God's sight. Once again, the victory belongs to the Lord. Another soul for him. A soul in heaven, as Augustine would one day reach that place, as we look forward to as well. But another soul to fight against Satan too. When the Lord offers us his own armor for protection, we need it all. We are wise in Christ to know that we should not take any shortcuts with God's word. Daily his armor should be upon us so that in the end he will continually strengthen us and we'll be ready for all the attacks that the devil throws at us. We can stand our ground. So be encouraged to pray in all situations, especially asking God to make sure that his armor is upon us as we remain faithful, staying focused on him and his word. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, 
Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen.